Grab a seat, grab your Bible, let's jump in. Church, why is this song capture us so much, the Revelation song? You know, in the natural, it's sat on the top of the charts, it sat number one for 17 weeks. 2010, it was the Dove Music Song of the Year. I don't know if you know this, but that song was written in 1999. It's re-released this year. It's 14 years later. It's been the most downloaded song by worship leaders for months at a time. And I was just researching. I knew we were going to sing this song, so I was researching the Revelation song. The author's name is Jenny Riddle. The ushers are walking down the aisles. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. While I'm talking, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 4, Jenny Riddle said this, I, I loved reading about the conception of the song. She said, I asked the Holy Spirit to help me write a song that painted him. A song that the angels and creation were already singing. So that we could join in with one voice as one bride to one king. And she said that the melody just stuck with her. It had the sound of heaven. And she said it just it wouldn't leave her. She kept singing it over and over again. She said, I can still hear the Lord whispering to me that he would carry this song across the world. And she said, I remember thinking, oh, how cool. A couple of my missionary friends will sing it to some natives in the bush. She had no idea that it would be a global phenomenon. Why did it capture our hearts? Because it's straight out of Scripture. She was meditating at the time on Ezekiel 1, 26 through 28 and Revelation chapter 4. And let's just read Revelation chapter 4. As this is the most beautiful picture that you will ever encounter in your whole life. It says, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Hello. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. I don't know how to make my voice sound like a trumpet. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby and a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. And they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning. And rumbling and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. And these were the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass as clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Step back, Halloween. Here come the living creatures. Each, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy. Say this with me. Holy, holy, holy. Yes. Is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him. 
who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you're worthy, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is the center of the universe. It's not the White House. It's not Hollywood. It's not you. It's a throne. It's a throne in heaven. And if you look at all these different elements that are around the throne, you see that the things that capture our heart, they're all represented there. I Let me just take you through it real quick. There's a voice like a trumpet blast. We're captivated when music is performed beautifully with excellence. And I mean, wasn't that awesome? There's a worship this morning, but it's going to be so much better. I love Stephen leading worship, but when the angel Gabriel pulls out his electric guitar, (laughs) it's going to melt your face off. But then you'll be given a new one. And there's a throne. We're inspired by royalty. Why do we all clamor to see the royal wedding and we all tune in to see the royal baby? It's because something inside of us longs for that regality, the nobility. And so there's a throne. Jesus is on a throne. And his appearance is of jasper and ruby, jasper and carnelian. It's not just dull flesh. Why, why do we love jewelry and precious gems and stones? And there he has that appearance. The captivation we have with jewels. Look at this next. It says, and then there's a rainbow. Around the throne, there's a rainbow. You know how the, the things people say when they see rainbows, they get kind of silly, right? Double rainbow all the way, right? I mean... <clears throat> Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but just put YouTube in your notes and you'll find that. And 24 other thrones are around this throne. The elders are seated on the throne. Why do we love Gandalf so much? It's because that wise, that sage, we, we, we love them. And, and all of a sudden the, the 24 elders are around the throne. But every time... The, the words holy, holy, holy come forth. They're on their face. The wisest, most regal people on earth cannot stand in the presence of God. And they're wearing white, the beautiful, sheer, clean, pure color. And they have golden crowns on their head. And it says this, that there's flashes of lightning, some Friends were on a trip up into the mountains and they sent me this video of this electrical storm. And I mean, the sky was just being lit up. I mean, who in here loves electrical storms when you just see these crazy, but what I loved even more than watching the electrical storm on the video they sent me is their whole car was going, ooh, ah, ooh, like all synchronized to the lightning, you know, and then you have the thunder just rumbling your chest, ooh. Right? It's coming forth from the throne. 
There's these lamps, these fiery lamps. The Spirit of God is seen as these fiery lamps. We can just sit and get lost in a fire. Why? Because it speaks of the transcendent glory of God. That's why you like fireplaces. I just went camping this weekend with my kids. They could not stop putting things in the fire. Like you're going to put someone's eye out. But you're worshiping. So carry forth, children. The, um, there's a sea as clear as crystal before the throne. Why are oceanfront properties so exorbitantly expensive? It's because we're drawn to the ocean. We just sit on the cliffs and, and look at the Pacific and, ooh, the majesty, the massiveness of God. Lastly, there are these living creatures, these supernatural beings. And if you're honest, they kind of freak us out because they have like eyes everywhere. That's kind of weird. You know, it kind of sounds like a Halloween thing, you know, but here's why. Do you know why they have eyes all over them? Because it's the only fitting response to standing in the presence and glory of God. Two eyes are not enough. You just want to soak in it. I need more eyes all over, under my wings. Here's my eyes, right? Just eyes everywhere. Isn't it crazy that the beings that live in front of the throne are just covered with eyes? God wants to fascinate you. He wants to captivate you. And what happens when people are on the throne? They're just on their faces. And then they get up and they go, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. It takes their breath away. When John saw this in chapter 1, he said, I fell on my face as though dead. Have you ever been so awestruck by something that it knocks you on your face as though dead? You're going to be. This is your destiny, men and women of God. Your destiny is to stand before this throne. But it's not the only thing before the throne. There's something else that's there. It's something else that's captivating. It's beautiful. It's majestic. And what it is, is it's the most beautiful portrait of humanity. Because you see, around the throne is a party. We're ending the series today on the party in God. By talking about the party to end all time. Because do you know that God actually brings the nations to this throne room? Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. It says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now, we've caught some glimpses of this, even here on earth. 2008, the world witnessed the single greatest viewed event in all mankind. I want to take you into it for a moment. If we can go ahead and show that film. This is an amazing experience. Viewed by one billion people.
one billion people tuned in to see a parade of nations. Most of the nations on the earth came to gather around the Olympic fire. But I want to tell you that people from every nation will come to gather around Jesus's fire. And there will be more than one billion people tuning in that day. The Bible says that every eye will see him. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this. Where you started understanding God's heart for every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue. I was studying in England. And we would take the tube that goes under the city to different destinations. And you'd come up in vastly different scenarios. And one evening we were going to a movie. And so we went to Piccadilly Circus. Say that three times. You'll learn to speak in tongues, by the way. Um, we, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> Ease up. All right. So we, 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 we pull up in Piccadilly Circus. And, you know, first of all, I'm enamored with the lights and the, the signs. And, and then I start looking and, and, and there are the Africans in their, their beautiful, elaborate colors. And, and then there's a, a group of Middle Eastern Muslims and they have their head coverings on. And then there's a group of Chinese tourists with all these cameras, you know, going, going crazy. And then there's this little Peruvian wood flute band going, do you know, do, playing over here. And then there's these different groups like the, the, the gypsies over here and these punk rockers with neon hair. And then there's homeless people over here. And it was this beautiful kaleidoscopic montage of humanity coming together in one little square. And over to the side, I hear this sweet music coming. And as I look over, there's this group in these fluorescent orange shirts. And I'm seeing people kind of moving towards them. And as I go over, they're singing songs about Jesus. And people of all different languages and backgrounds are kind of gravitating towards them. In the middle was a skirmish. There was this disgruntled drunk man that's in this older gentleman's face just cursing him out. But what was remarkable is this older gentleman that was certainly the leader of this Christian group was just looking at him with eyes of love and compassion, telling him that God loved him and that they accepted him. And as I'm staring at the scene and watching people from all different ethnicities gathered in this elaborate square, but these Christians shining the light of Jesus in the midst of it, I felt like the Spirit started speaking, this is my dream for the church. That my church would be in the midst of every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue. And so I tell people when they ask about the birth of All People's Church, I say, yeah, we were planted in 2008. But God put the seed of All People's Church in my heart in 1997 in that square called Piccadilly Circus. Because there I felt God's heart for the nations of the world coming together in one city. You know, the Bible talks about a city whose foundation is the Lord. And that's where we're heading men and women. Look at this scripture. This is just absolutely amazing. In Revelation 19, verse 6, says this, 
Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Verse 9. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. I want to tell you that our time on earth culminates with a party. Let me say that again. Our time on earth culminates with a party. It's called the wedding supper of the Lamb. You are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, what is that? Maybe you haven't been in church before, so you're saying, okay, there's a wedding and there's a little sheep and what's going on here? Now, the the Lamb is a symbolic reference, right? You guys are used to symbolic references. I call my wife honey, right? You call your wife dear. It's not because she's this yellow gooey substance, right? You don't look at your wife and say, oh dear, and she's like a little gazelle, right? You know? No, it's, it's a symbol. To me, you're like honey, sweetheart. To me, you're, you're, you're dear to my heart, right? That we use symbols. So the people of God were used to symbols. And so Jesus is the lamb. Now, why is Jesus the lamb? Well, because the people of God knew what lamb symbolized. You see, lambs played a very important, a very important role in their faith. And here's why. Because God is perfect. God is sinless. God is faultless. But we as people have sin in our lives. And they knew that. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, that we deserve to die as the punishment for our sin. So where does the lamb come in? Well, here's the deal. God didn't want his children to die for their sin. He loves you and me way too much for us to die in our sin. So God told the priests, get a lamb. In fact, he told every Israelite family in one of their celebrations called Passover to get a lamb. And he said this, take a a blameless and pure and spotless lamb, this beautiful white lamb, no spots on it, young tender, bring it into your home and nurture it for several days. Take care of it. Have it be a part of your family. And at the end of three days, murder it. (laughs) Welcome to church. (laughs) And this lamb dies and the blood goes everywhere. Gross. But here is what was happening. The lamb was dying in our place. The lamb died to show, hey, the the, the payment for sin is very serious. It's death. And this lamb that's done nothing wrong and it's, it's pure and it's spotless, it's dying for you. And so when Jesus came on the scene, they said, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, like that lamb, was pure. He did nothing wrong. He was spotless. He lived a perfect life. All he did was love. All he did was be kind. All he did was draw people near in compassion. And yet he was nailed to a cross, a painful death. He bore these stripes on his back from a lashing. He suffered and his blood was poured out. Why? Because he was the lamb. He was taking away our sins. He became the scapegoat for us. 
And then God says, because of that, I'm putting him on the throne. There's a lamb that was slain that's ruling and reigning. And then those that are washed clean by what he did for us, the Bible says at the end they're invited to a party. And they're washed clean because of what he did. And they come together and and the father says, I join them with Jesus. My people are joined with Jesus in a covenant forever. That is your destiny, beloved. That is where you are headed. Is a party where you're joined with the living God. And this is what it says. In Revelation chapter 20. Can can I just tell you for a minute that God really loves you? He loves you so much. I'm just thinking about last weekend. Was anyone here last weekend at all people's? Okay. Okay. Good. One third of you were here. That's awesome. Um, Last weekend... God sent us some new friends, Joel and Julia Bell from Hillsong Church. And Julia brought this great word to us. She she was driving down and God spoke this prophetic word. And it totally confirmed what many people have spoken to us before. Now, Now, first of all, just them coming was just a sign and wonder, right? Just a sign that makes you wonder. God, I... We could have never set that up. We didn't even know them. We meet them, right? And, and here are the pastors of one of the most known churches on earth. And not, not that that's what's important, but it was just God was trying to show you. You're dear to me. My favor's on you. The, here's the verse that, that she read to us. It's out of Second Chronicles, 2 Chronicles uh, 7.15. She said, Church... My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place, right? She started with the very familiar verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I'll hear them from heaven. I'll come and heal their land. Very familiar verse on revival. But verse 15 talks about my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. And she, she then went to say, for I've chosen this temple. She said, I've chosen this temple all peoples and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it's dear to my heart. I, she said, it's dear to my heart. Here, here I, I never want something like that to happen and us to not just take a moment to say, what was God saying to us, church? You know, when something good happens in my family, I don't just motor on to the next thing. We sit around our table and talk with me and my kids and say, okay, what, what was God doing? What's he saying? So as a pastor of this church, I want to say, okay, what was God doing last weekend? I mean, we found out Saturday night that they were coming to speak and she comes and gives us this great word. And then I, I think you heard her, Julie said, I was, I was praying for you and I saw this picture. I love how they talk. Picture. I say picture, right? It just, she said, she, I saw this picture and it was this church and the multitudes were coming in of the lost and they were finding love and safety. 
Now, many people have given me that word, many prophetic people, but that was the first time it was declared publicly over this church. And what God is saying is, first, you're dear to my heart, right? It doesn't make us more special than any other church, but it does let us know that God sees us. God sees you. And you're dear to his heart. And so many of us feel like we're on a hamster wheel just trying to perform and trying to gain God's acceptance. And last week he was saying, listen, you're dear to my heart. I treasure you. I adore you. Just pat your heart here. God loves this little thing beaten in your chest right there. But then I believe God is also calling us to something. That first verse, verse 15, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. She said, if I was you, I'd stop praying, church. I love it. She's saying, why? Because God sent someone last week to say, I am going to hear every prayer you're praying. What an invitation. As we're called to be a prayer movement, we're called to pray in the next Jesus movement. We're called to pray in revival in this city. We're called to partner with God to see an awakening of the lost. Right? We're called. We're called to take these little, these little, uh, I think I have it somewhere. Maybe not. Ah, here it is. Thank you, man of God right there. These little party invitations. Let's pray Let's pray that on the darkest night of the year, Halloween, where people go out to just join in all kinds of revelry and sliminess and debauchery and yuckiness, let's ask for the Spirit of God to draw people to the kingdom of His glorious light. You know, people are going to be going out to, to, to clubs to get all slimy and funky, right, and And people are going to be dressed up and going to all the haunted houses to get all gory and get all spooked out. But why not let them encounter the love of the people of God? Why not let them see that dance, right? Instead of glorifying Satan, why don't we, Satan, you got no hold on me or whatever they were saying. (laughs) You now know why I'm not on the dance team. Look more like a funky white chicken. Then, Let, let's pray. Last year we had 1,200 people packed in that parking lot, probably 50, 75 people coming to Christ in a night. Let's believe for more. And we, we need you, church, because even more touching than what's going to go up on the stage with our amazing dance team and our, our drama and our band's going to be playing some really fun songs. But what's more important, this is what changes people forever, is when they see the glory of God on a Christian's face. We have numerous people that have joined this church because they met someone at an event where the church has gone public. And they said, wow, I've never felt so loved. There's just something I feel here, the presence of God, the love of God. We need you, church. We need you rubbing elbows with the sea of humanity that on Halloween are just looking for entertainment, but they can find Jesus. Now we're taking the party to the streets. Why? Because God is a partying.
God. And he wants to say, you went out on Halloween to find some sliminess. You went out to find some, some gore and some death. But instead, you found life. You found the Prince of Peace. You found an eternal party. Look at this eternal party. Let's just finish with this. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. This is how it all ends. My message today is called, It Ends with a Party. So let me finish by reading this last text. Starting in Revelation 20 verse 11. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and the earth and heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were... What's all this stuff about dead, dead, dead? Why are people so into Halloween? They are wondering what's after death. And so there's this perverted infatuation with death. And so the church needs to step up and say, we know. We know what happens after death. It's right here in this book. Listen to this. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city. There's going to be a city and it's going to be full of multitudes from every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue. And, And so he sees the city The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's you. That's me. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now watch this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I want to tell you, beloved, that you are headed to a party. And in this party, there is no more death. There will be no more cancer. You in this room that have suffered from cancer, it's never going to come back at that party. You that have lost loved ones, family members, parents, grandparents from cancer, it's never coming back. There will be no more AIDS. The AIDS epidemic will be wiped out in an instant. There will be no more famine. Do you hear me? Death is going to be wiped out. There'll be no more war. There'll be no more genocide. It's over. The Bible says there'll be no more mourning. There's going to be no more loss of loved ones. There's going to be no more molestation. There's going to be no more rape. There's going to be no more abuse. There's going to be no more addiction. It's going to be over. There's going to be no more crying. There's going to be no more despair. No one's going to be terrorized anymore. No one's going to be in a depression anymore. It's gone. 
That's the end. It's over. And the Bible says that he'll wipe away every tear because he is making all things new. You're not going to feel pain in your body anymore, men and women. You're not going to deal with those same old battles that have been in your mind anymore. You're not going to feel the same insecurities anymore. You're not going to wake up and be depressed anymore. You're not going to be discouraged anymore. You're not going to look at other people and think they're better than you anymore because he's making all things new. And this, this isn't some pipe dream. This is what the Bible says. This is the word of God. You are headed to, towards an him. <laughs> and words can't even describe it. And so there's only one fitting response. And it's worship. It's joining in with the heavenly hosts. And saying what they say in Revelation 19, hallelujah, salvation, glory, power, hallelujah, salvation, glory, power, hallelujah, salvation, glory, power. I think we should practice. Okay, so here we go. Your hallelujah. Okay, can you all say hallelujah? hallelujah? Okay, now can you say it like you mean it? Okay, now on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Okay, now, but I don't think in heaven you're going to be like, hallelujah. You're going to raise your hands and be like, hallelujah. Okay, one, two, three. Hallelujah. Ooh, that's looking good. Okay, your salvation. Okay, this group, like split down the middle, your salvation. Okay, so let's on three, raise your hands, cheer the Lord, salvation. One, two, three. Salvation. Nice, I like it. Now your glory, Okay. Not Gloria, your glory. Okay, so on three, this group right here, glory. Ready? Let me hear you. One, two, three. Okay, now you're actually doing this for the Lord, not me. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay, now this one is power. Okay, ready? On three, power. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, now what's happening in heaven is these words are being sung and chanted and proclaimed before the throne of God. So let's enter in with the heavenly hosts, the saints, and the living creatures right now and proclaim this, okay? So when I point to you, I want you to stand up and say your word, okay? So hallelujah, salvation, glory, power, ready, one, two, three. Let's worship God. Let's bless His name.